This is the In The Cove podcast and I'm Rob Caldor. And I'm Jackie Barker, founder of In The Cove. Hi Jackie, spring has sprung, but this podcast unfortunately is not about the beautiful weather that we've had, it's about something else that's happened. That's correct Rob, we're calling it hashtag Sydney Watergate, anatomy of a crisis. So what I want to do is take you through just a brief synopsis of what happened between the period of the 10th of September 2022 and the 14th of September 2022 and the what happened with Sydney Water and the response. So we don't normally go through things step by step, but it's really worth it. I'm just going to go through and lay the lay the proceedings. And then once we've set the factual background, we're then going to speak to numerous different people from Lang Cove. We're going to speak to a business person who was impacted. We're going to speak to several Lang Cove residents who are impacted, including one who, who works in corporate communication at local government level. And we're going to speak to the Mayor of Lang Cove. We're also going to speak to Rory Burke, who works in Anthony Roberts' office. And we're going to get everyone's opinion on what happened and why it all went so wrong when it really, yes, um, it was a significant issue, but it could have been handled so much better from a communications point of view. So let's start. So at 6.40am on Saturday morning, the 10th of September 2022, a resident who lives very close to the corner of Epping Road and Mowbray Road, Lang Cove, heard a loud banging noise, which he didn't know what it was at the time, but we subsequently realised that it was a water main bursting. Not too soon after that, a live traffic publishes an incident report saying there's a burst water main on Epping Road. Around the same time, residents at Parkland Avenue, Lang Cove, which is a fair, well, you wouldn't say close, but in the same area as in Lang Cove North as Epping Road, um, reports extensive water on their road. The New South Wales police arrive and tell them, look, um, it'll be a few days before it's fixed, and they put up some cones. About 7.45, residents in Fitzsimmons Avenue, um, the street closest to the burst pipe, started to notice that they didn't have water. At 8 o'clock, 8.55 a.m., the Traffic and Highway Patrol Command posted on their Facebook page the following, and I'm going to read it because you need this needs to give you some context. A burst water main in properties overlooking Epping Road has resulted in both directions of Epping Road at the intersection of Epping Road with Mowbray Road being affected by a large volume of water, with some sections very deep. Motorcyclists are advised to avoid the area and there will be some delays to other motorists. Police from from Ride and North Shore Command are in attendance in addition to other emergency services. At this stage, there's no estimated time of repair of the main. Now, bear in mind that this was on the Traffic and Highway Patrol Command page for New South Wales Police. So in the coast starts getting, my phone starts beeping like there's no tomorrow and all these people are reporting that Epping Road has this major flood which some were describing like Niagara Falls. It was coming over the cliff face and just going straight down the road. It was a significant water incident. And so I then, after I'd been reporting at the Jesuit Mission Bazaar, came straight home, sat down on my chair and probably didn't leave it for the next four days. So what happened in the situation was that it was obvious that it was a Sydney water issue and I needed to get information. The first thing I do when I try to get information from Sydney water is I contact their media area. 
the media area has been notoriously hard to contact and all I have is a general website which is media at, at, at Sydney Water. I do not have any numbers to call and their website has no contact details for media. So I put an email and wait for, for response. Nothing happens, nothing happens, nothing happens. So then I decide that the only way that I'm going to get some information is if I if I put out Twitter info and tweet saying, hey, Sydney Water, what's happening with this burst water main on Epping Road? And absolutely no response, no response. And I'm thinking, well, what the, what's going on here? I then get a direct message from Sydney Water on Twitter saying, hey, look, we know there's an incident. We've got your uh, your mobile phone and your Twitter and we'll get you. We'll get back to you when we've got some news. Now, at this stage, we are now at about 3.45 in the afternoon. There has been nothing on Sydney Water's Facebook page, uh, Twitter account and their website page except at the Sydney Water outage page. There's just a very simple statement saying, our crews are responding to a burst water main in Lane Cove and North Ryde. So if you live in Lane Cove and North Ryde, you would first go to the Sydney Water outage page and you would put in your address because you can only search their water outage page using an address. So you put in your address and the website will come up with a, a notification to you saying, your water is on, there are no known incidents in your area. So people would say, well, hold on a second, I have no water. So then they would ring the Sydney Water telephone line and be put on hold for a long time to try and speak to the Sydney Water customer service. In the meantime, Sydney Water has, is, has arrived at the site and is trying to fix it. So we've got, to, we've got nowhere at all on any information from Sydney Water. There was total, Sydney Water had provided nothing. So I then send a direct message to them saying, I need to speak to your Sydney Water Media. I need to get um, an update and I'm also getting a quote from my local member who also is the Minister for Planning, Anthony Roberts. So could you get back to me? I get a message saying that the Sydney media will be in contact with me and I will get it soon. So I'm thinking they've got my, they've got my phone number, they've got my Twitter account, you know, they've got everything so it'll be really easy. I'll, I'll get a call and I'll, I'll know what's happening. At 4.41... Sydney Water finally releases an official media statement to In the Cove. So the water has been flowing out all day from 6.45 a.m. Six, yeah, 6.45 a.m. And it's released to In the Cove because I'm the only one who's asked and to no one else. And it says, statement from Sydney Water. Sydney Water has responded to reports of a burst water main at Epping Road, Lane Cove. Network technicians are on site and are working to isolate the main. An investigation into the cause of the break will be conducted. So no further information. So during the, this, so we're still at, at Saturday the 10th of, of um, September and I'm monitoring live traffic. I'm monitoring Sydney Water. Absolutely nothing comes out further than that. I try and get information and then by this stage I have contacted Anthony Roberts' team and I've said to them, this is a major incident, can you speak to the powers that, that be at the, Sydney, at the Sydney Water or the Water Minister uh, the, and find out what's going on? They start trying to contact everybody and again they're really finding it hard to get some information. I keep on posting 
uh, updates on the Facebook page, trying to give people as much information as possible. But given that there's no information coming out, all I can do is say that there's an issue. I do get a message from Twitter, from their Twitter account saying, look, our crews are trying to work on this, but because the repair is so big, we need to do it at night, which means we need to close the the, um, road. So nothing's going to happen tonight. So then I actually could say to people, well, look, this is a massive incident. They need to close the road. Nothing is going to happen tonight. There's nothing further I can do. I'll see you in the morning. And by the way, I'll be up early because I've got to be up at 5.30 a.m. for the Lancome Fun Run. I wake up that morning, the 11th of September, and I see that on the Sydney Water Outage page, they've now listed what they call 11 further suburbs. But in fact, it wasn't 11 suburbs. It was more than that because they only listed Lane Cove and Lane Cove Council area has numerous suburbs within it. I then know that at the Lane Cove Fun Run, I'm going to see the mayor and I'm going to see Anthony Roberts and I'm going to say to them, this is a catastrophic incident. We need to act. I get to the Lane Cove Fun Run and my phone starts going off with all of the Lane Cove businesses saying that they uh, have no water in Lane Cove. I immediately call the Lane Cove Mayor and I say, this is a catastrophic incident. You should be looking into activating your community plan. And he said, right, I'll get back to you. And then he immediately spoke to the Lane Cove Council who said, we don't know what you're talking about because Sydney Water has provided no information. All through Sunday, I'm trying to keep people updated. I'm calling Anthony Roberts' office. I'm calling Anthony Roberts. I'm trying to say what's going on, what's going on. Anthony Roberts uh, speaks to the MD of Sydney Water who says that things should return to normal by 4pm, nothing. They think that the it'll be fixed by 7pm, nothing. They then start saying, oh, maybe we should send some tankers because people might need water. They don't tell us where they're sending the tankers, how you can access the tankers. Again, no form of corporate communication. And when I say corporate communication, Sydney Water is actually a government-owned enterprise but has its own board of directors, etc but it's wholly owned by the New South Wales government. At 8.09am on Monday, the 12th of September, Anthony Roberts arranges for me to speak to the MD of Sydney Water. The MD starts to to tell me that it's a catastrophic incident. The pipe is 750 millimetres and it's a very, very complex situation and that only 200 customers are impacted. At this stage, I tell him that I'm going to have to stop him there and I'm going to have to give him the facts. And that's when I said, one, you're putting your crews under pressure, you're putting your customer service under pressure, your website is crashed because you are providing no information. I then pointed out that their, their figures in relation to customers was wrong because at one stage an in the cove reader was told that there were 50,000 customers impacted and therefore this was a bigger issue. He said to me that I had to make a distinction between connections and customers, and that is correct. There are people who have a connection to Sydney Water, be the landlord, but then the landlord then might have a couple of um, different tenants in the same complex, for example. And in fact, I quoted 150 Epping Road, which is a Meriton uh, apartment complex. I then explained to the MD that he is talking about connections, not customers or even end users. I pointed out, for example, that at 150 Epping Road at Lang Cove, there is a Meriton apartment complex that has three large towers and over 300 units. Conceivably, 
That could be one connection because Meriton owns all of the units and leases them to 300 units. And none of those people have been contacted. None of them had water. What did they? Ha- what was going to happen with the elderly and vulnerable? How were they ensuring that water was there and that the elderly and vulnerable were looked after? The issue here is that because Sydney Water had not contacted Lancaster Council, had not decided to provide information to the local emergency management committee, we couldn't activate the resources that would normally be like the New South Wales Police to come and door knock because they can only be activated when it is a multi-agency procedure. Because Sydney Water hadn't told anybody, no one could do anything. So I know that that's a very long explanation and if you're still listening to the podcast, I'm so thrilled but I really needed to set the scene so that we can now then talk to the different people who've impacted. Rob, let's go and talk to all the different people who've been impacted. And we're going to start with Joyce from Baker's Delight. This is the In The Cove podcast. Joyce Amen from Baker's Delight in Lake Cove. I'm sure many of you have seen Joyce, how are you? you? I'm I'm not too bad, thank you. What Joyce is really trying to say is I am physically and mentally exhausted after the pain and suffering that Sydney Ward has put me through the last couple of days. Joyce, we spoke, when did you, when did you, when did you send me the first, the call me and tell me that the Lane Cove water was out? I think it was on the day, on Sunday itself at about 6.40, 7 o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. And of course, your first call is always to me to find out what's going on. <laughs> Absolutely. I said, if anyone knows, it's got to be you. And uh, so to lead us into what happened when you, you turned up for work, because you always turn up to work about 5am anyway. So let's let's start from the very beginning. I did. Yes. So when we got into work, uh, the boys said to me, and this was around about six o'clock, they said, the water's really low. And I had already driven through the gushing water on Epping Road to get to work. So I kind of figured when they told me that something was wrong. So I asked them, I said, have you got water? They said, very little. It's very, very little. And by the time we hit 6.30, we had no water. So it was bone dry. The tap was literally, nothing was coming out, which meant we couldn't produce any more bread from what we had done between four and six was all we could do. And I imagine that that wasn't much. No, it wasn't because it was just the start of it, really. We'd only probably gotten through two and a half doors and we still ha- still had another four more to go. That was just for the Sunday itself, yeah. So when did you have to, um, did you actually have to close at all or what, what did you do? No, we didn't close. We actually got the help of some of our neighbours who were generous enough to give us water. Not everyone was, but majority of them were happy to help us. And I have to give credit where credit is due. Cozy Cove helped us with a bucket of water, but uh, Sunset Diner was absolutely unbelievable. They just filled the buckets for us. They brought them out for me. And, um, yeah, I carried them from Sunset Diner back to the bakery, and that's where I stuffed up my shoulder and my collarbone. Oh, my gosh. Well, um, there is a claim form on the Sydney Water site, and I suggest that you use that. Um, so how long did you did you get water back on and were you able to, to do a full day's trading or it just impacted you so much? No, it impacted us quite 
quite a bit. Um, so obviously we lost sales because we didn't have product out on time. And we couldn't, by the time we did manage to source some water, it was already too late. Um, unfortunately, producing bread is not as simple as just mixing the dough and putting it straight. It takes about four hours from start to finish. So, yeah, we were running well and truly behind. So we just cut back on, on production because it wasn't worth our while to make it and incur that loss as well. So, um, yeah, we didn't get water back till Monday. Sometime in the afternoon was when we got full pressure. But in the meantime, we went and bought some 20-liter buckets from Bunnings and we filled them up for the next day so we wouldn't have the same drama because we didn't know how long the water was going to be turned off. Now, now Joyce, I'm, I'm interested in this because obviously at the time that you called me, I was at the Lane Fun Run. But at the same time, I also got calls from nearly every other business in Lane Cove. And Luke had unwind. He um he called me just about five seconds after you, but at ten forty a.m. he said to me it's back on. But you obviously didn't get it back on at ten forty a.m. No, we didn't get it back on. No, we didn't have water that whole day. I think it there was a slight trickle towards the late afternoon evening, but we didn't really have much water. Right. So you're in spitting, you're in spitting distance around the block from Luke, and you he had water and you didn't. I mean, hmm. Joyce, this. This is critical for a business, obviously, for your one. It, it, it's a product. But also, I mean, you're, besides having to schlep the water yourself from, you know, the other cafes and things around you, you also had to manage staff who were probably freaking out. How was, how was that? Yeah, well, the staff didn't know what was going on. And more, you know, I mean, staff is one thing, but and producing bread is one thing, but it also impacted the cleaning for me, which is very important, we are in a food business, so food you've got to make sure the environment is clean, you've got to wash everything. So that meant we had to get more water to wash up everything, to clean the floors, because we wash our floors every day. So it's not easy. And obviously, you know, you've got loyal customers, but you've got also a whole lot of customers that just sort of walk past. It's not great for them to see your business not able to offer literally the bread that you produce. So, I mean, I mean, you can't, it's hard to get back that credibility. So I'm really sorry for that. I mean, it's something completely out of your control and has nothing to do with your business. It's like COVID. Yes, it does have nothing. And we, and you know, when people think that customers will come back, but mostly when a customer leaves, if they're disappointed, they haven't got what they want, they won't come back to you. They'll go wherever else they got their product. You can only hope that they would understand, but not everybody does. So that was the Sunday. What happened on the Monday when you came? Was was there water on the Monday morning? Uh, no, there. Uh, yeah, it was. There was uh, water on the Monday morning, but again, very very low pressure. Um, but because we had filled up uh, four or five buckets of twenty liter buckets of water and kept it, and I told the boys, do not, and I told all the staff, do not throw this water away because it's really precious at the moment. We were able to do our production on Monday with the water that we had saved. I think full full pressure only came back to us Monday, late Monday afternoon. How stressful is that? You must have been beside yourself because Joyce, you've been through you've been through COVID where you couldn't get any staff because every time you you know, you had situations where 
all of your staff couldn't come in. You've you've been closed down for days. You are one of the longest um, standing businesses in Lane Cove. You're always giving to charity and community. You're an amazing person. How did this impact you? Uh, it was really frustrating and was really, um, really a difficult time for all of us, especially seeing what we've been through. And even right now, you know, I mean, COVID is, yes, pretty much over, we can say, but it's still around. And we still don't have staff. I am baking seven days a week. And this was just added stress, which I did not need. So, and I, I just think that I could not help my community give them what they needed because of someone else's fault. Joyce, I can see how emotional you are. And I've known you for, oh God, 20 years. I've never seen you like this. This is devastating. It is. It was really hard, really, really hard. Yeah. Yeah. And the thing is, you've always been the person in Lane Cove. Oh, drop your keys. If you dropped your keys, give them to Joyce. If you've done this, give them to Joyce. You have been our rock for how many years have you been there now? 20? 26 years completed. You've been our rock for 26 years. And now I'm seeing a woman who I've never seen like this before. And you also look like you're in absolute pain. I am. Right now I am. Because I haven't been able to sleep for two nights because of the pain in my shoulder and my collarbone. I actually thought I did something to my collarbone and it didn't strike me what was the reason why my collarbone was hurting so much till I actually went back to the physio and I asked him, I said, I don't know what I've done. So he said to me, tell me, what have you been doing? And I told him, I said, oh, we had no water. I was carrying buckets of water. He says, there you go. That's exactly what has triggered it. He says, nothing else. He says, it's the buckets of water that you have carried, which you should not have done. Um, but I think in the heat of the moment, you don't think you just have to get water, which is so crucial to our production. You just have to go and source it from somewhere. So that's exactly what I did. And little realizing that it was going to hurt me. Joyce, how were the customers? Were they, um, were they as distressed as well because they were people who didn't know what was going on? I think they were. Yeah, there were a lot of customers who didn't have any idea as to what was going on. And I did tell them because I drove through the water gushing out on Epping Road. I did tell them there is a water break, but I don't know whether it's related to us or not. But for whatever reason, we don't have water. And I'm assuming that that probably has something to do with it. And did it take you long to drive through Epping Road? Oh, yeah. On the first day, there was the traffic was really, really slow. But then when I was going back home, it was a nightmare because I was in traffic for one hour and 15 minutes and I reached the, only reached the old Macca's site from Lane Cove. How long does it normally take you? Because you only live in Ride. How long did it, North Ride, I think. How long did yeah. it take you? It takes me maximum 12 minutes in, like in, in good amount of traffic. If it's clear road, it'll take me seven minutes to get to Lane Cove. And how long did it take you? Well... I had to get out of the traffic because I was so tired by this stage, mm. just driving one and one hour and 15 minutes and I was nowhere close to my house. Um, so I turned around from the Maccas and I was going back through Hunter's Hill. And then of course the bakery called me. So I had to go back to the bakery for some other problem. And uh, yeah, that was it. So I didn't get home till six o'clock that evening. Oh, Joyce. And um, uh, you also live in North Ride. Were you personally impacted your house? Yes, we were. We didn't. We had very, very low pressure on the Sunday. Um, Monday we were kind of slightly better, but now then after that, yeah, once they actually did something about it, then we got 
pretty much full pressure from Tuesday. Mm-hmm. And you um, uh, obviously lease the business um, premises. Yeah. So you're not a Sydney Water customer. It's in your outgoings or are you? Yes, it is in my outgoings. Right. So that, therefore you would have not, if look, Sydney Water didn't co- correspond with anybody, but you would have had no information whatsoever available to you. No, we, would, we weren't given any information. We only picked it up because, as I said, I drove through it. Um, so I knew that there was a problem somewhere. Um, didn't think it would impact me, but it did. So, yeah, Sydney Water didn't contact us. And, uh, you know, having said that, when they said Sydney Water did eventually send, uh, send out a statement, they said they were knocking on people's doors. I actually had customers tell me that they had the elderly living next to them And nobody had been around knocking on their doors to give them water or to check on them. Mm. And these are Lane Cove customers. Yes, I I have not had anyone who's told me that they got a call from Sydney Water. I've only heard that they got a call either from Lane Cove Council or Anthony Roberts' office was doing it. No, we didn't get even that. And I, I was really disappointed that they didn't think of once they knew that there was a problem in the plaza, that there was no water provided for us because the canopy had water. The plaza side didn't have any water. So, uh, so Lancaster Council didn't even offer to help you with water outside no. of the No, nobody called us, no. Okay, that's that's quite sad. Um, now, I was talking to Rory from, gosh, I can't remember, Rory at um, at Anthony's Rob, Robert's office in a, some ridiculous hour, and he was saying to me, I'm trying to get a tanker, I'm trying to get a tanker to the Lancaster Plaza. I'm trying to get a tanker, but I don't think it ever turned up, did it? No, it never, ever turned up. Because if it had, it would have made life a lot simpler for a lot of businesses. Because I know Nick from Nebu didn't have water. Neither did um, Luke, nor did Guzman Gomez. I don't know about Justin, whether he had water because he didn't call me. Uh, but all the others came around to check whether I had water, and the, which is what everyone does. We just check with each other and none of us had water. But it was funny that the other side of the road, Kozikov had water, but nobody else had water. It was just unbelievable the way it was turned off and couldn't make sense because you would think it was one pipe that came there. Look, it's a, it seems very random in a way who how badly different businesses and uh, residencies were affected. But Joyce, I, I, I suppose one of the one of the uplifting things it was it's good to see businesses helping each other because you know in some, in some situations you know. There's a situation where, you know, your competitors and other direct or indirect competitors. But in a situation like this, it doesn't really matter. We all just want to, you know, support each other. So, Yeah, at the end of the day, we want to support each other. And that's that's the good thing, you know. As I said, like Sunset Diner, we're giving water to everybody. And I know Guzman Gomez went there. And I don't know, there was some other business there. I don't know where they were from. But they were happily filling their buckets and giving it to them. So it was really nice to see. What lessons can we take away from this? Uh, I think we need a little better communication coming through from from the concerned departments. I don't think it's only Jackie's job to do this, to do the communicating part. So all those business, all those organisations and government bodies that are responsible need to get do their job better. Joyce, I've never seen you like this. Is there anything I can do? No, I'm really, uh, no, no, I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm just really tired. That's all. I've got a suggestion. Every time people walk past Baker's Delight, 
besides buying what you normally do, buy something extra. I'm a big fan of your seeded bread, so that's what I want to get. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. Um, well, I have to tell you, you know how you've got those new rolls that have got the sausage yes. in? I, I, that might have only been a little special. Are they still yeah, on? Yeah, yeah, we do, we do do them. Uh, we had a special one some time back, which was the sausage sizzle, uh, which had the caramelized onion, but that promotion ended. And um, so we, but we still, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And uh, so we still do the sriracha and the barbecue and the tomato sauce ones. So, Rob, that's an absolutely fabulous thing. And you know what, Joyce, there is not one charity school organisation in Lang Cove that hasn't got a voucher from Joyce. So I'm saying to people, whenever you walk past Baker's Delight, buy, yes, buy something and buy something else. I know the cost of living has increased, but, you know, Joyce's stuff, you can still buy stuff. It's very, you know... You got a few gold coins in the pocket. If you still take cash, which, yeah, we still do. <laughs> it, it's very much a legal tender, so we still do it. Yes. So let's let's put, put those uh, put those coins grabbed. I mean, I it's a great snack. It's a great snack. It's a great. You know, it's bread. It's literally the bread we eat. So let's grab a, grab a few loaves. Joyce, we're going to let you go because I, I'm sorry. I didn't know how much pain you're in. Thank you for talking to That's me. That's all right. Thank you you're, for having you me. Are, you are the most. We you and I just work so well and I'm and I'm just so so upset so much love and I hope to see you soon we'll see you soon thank you so much Jackie thanks Rob in the cove because local matters we've got online we have our next guest Madeline Houston Madeline you work in and about local government is that right yeah that's correct and I I also have worked in communications for um, state government working in uh, bushfire and disaster recovery around the state with councils and yeah. And I, I imagine that communication is a massive thing. Now we're talking specifically about uh, Watergate, <laughs> the, the water or lack thereof in the Lane Cove uh, region last week. Getting the message out is very important. I think it, it, government comms is interesting because you really notice it when it goes badly. And a lot of the times you just take it for granted. And when there's a situation like this, it really becomes clear of how important it is for organisations to have contingency plans to be able to help communities when something goes wrong. And I think what we saw on the weekend was that there really wasn't perhaps a plan. It was a weekend, which I think was a real spanner in the works. Um, And I guess for me... What was really troubling about it was I think, you know, there are a lot of vulnerable people in our community that are not going to be online and um, really didn't know what was going on. And in our own, I live in an apartment in Lane Cove and we have some elderly residents in our building who are not very mobile. Um, And, you know, I'm lucky that it's a small block and we kind of sprung into action to help them. But... There's a lot of big buildings in Lane Cove where there might not be that neighbourly connection and then people were really left in the dark. And I think, um, you know, it's, it was basic sanitation that we were we were not able to get. So I think people don't realise it. Well, we couldn't flush our toilets. You couldn't wash your hands. Like it's just, it, it, I think there was a sense of our oh, shower, you know, that really wasn't the last of it. And also if you don't have 
water in the fridge or bottled water and a lot of people are very eco-conscious and don't do that these days you know you turn you went to turn your tap on and nothing came out it was a pretty nasty shock so I think what was kind of really troubling as well from this was that it did take in the cove harassing from what I gather for days to get anything and I think in these situations um, it's really public information is key and not public relations and I think when an emergency strikes you've got to make sure and the core principles are that information is publicly accessible it's across all channels so it's not just digital because in emergencies sometimes digital things go down and you need to go to where people are you need to work with your council because they are um, the ones with those strong community connections and you need to leverage existing comms channels and you know uh, if you know, we are unusual in Lane Cove in that we do have this hyper-local news service in, in the Cove, which we are so lucky to have because, you know, ABC Sydney was AWOL as well. The, you know, and that I think speaks a lot to the actual, like the hollowing out of our local news sources that, you know, we didn't have the Sydney Morning Herald showing up. We didn't have ABC Sydney showing up. It was... Jackie and her team pursuing and I mean one thing that I think was interesting for me is Lane Cove is quite vulnerable to shocks I mean you know we've just had La Nina so but we're area with the biggest bushfire you know risk really one of the biggest bushfire risks we've got the biggest national park what if this had happened during a summer where you know with water like I just think it's just we are a community that is vulnerable to shocks. We've seen that with the pandemic and you just can't take for granted um, that we're going to have the communications set up, um, I think is what we've learned from this, to get information out. Who do you think it was at fault here? Was it at all levels of government and the utilities? Like, forget about, you know, how it actually happened. In the communication side of things, what should have happened? So you should have generally um, people, I guess, on call on the weekend is generally for government that they have a team, they have some kind of contingency to do that um, and they have, I guess, a plan for what happens in these situations and that you pull it out of the deck and say, okay, this has happened, this is what we're going to do, call, get these people on call. You know, and I just, from what I gather, from what just being an outsider, you know, I can't speak to you know I don't have the internet but it didn't look like they had people on call to be able to update their website to be able to update their social media and what's concerning about this is as well there just didn't seem to be an understanding of the community angst or empathy for that you know you really have to be getting the information out but also showing that empathy as well to be to people we understand and like really mean it and own the situation. And that wasn't happening. And, you know, I think, um, yeah, it was quite troubling. The alerts on their website were inaccurate. Um, there didn't seem to be any ownership of that. How long did you were you actually out of order? So we were very lucky. We were only out of order, I think, um, 
I live near the village and I was only out, I think, for five or six hours. And the water wasn't back on uh, because the pressure was so low. Could you, when could you start showering and flushing? I tried to wash my hair on Sunday night, which was a mistake. I'd already, I kind of didn't register and it was almost impossible to get enough water pressure to wash shampoo out of my hair on Sunday, Sunday night. Um, and yeah, and I guess there was also that sense that we, we really didn't know. I was hearing from your channel, from the Facebook group, that water was being turned on and off, on and off, on and off for people. So we just couldn't really relax as well. I think, as I said, the concern to me was the lack of understanding, that it wasn't just annoying or something. It was actually a public health issue. <laughs> That's true. I mean, the, the news that got out was definitely just about, you know, it's going to be stinky in Lane Cove for the next few days because of showers. And you're right, the issue of sanitation and toilets not flushing, I mean, that, that that's horrible. And I, I think the messaging was problematic. But I also, I mean, I know that there's access to, you know, sending text messages. Did that happen? You know, you can send text messages around bushfires and other emergencies. Did any of that happen? No, and I think, um, so... <sighs> They're used by a particular agencies. So I guess it's the thing is like government is, is huge. There's all these different agencies and they have their own channels and their own websites. And um, it was interesting actually because I saw yesterday Victor Dominello, the MP who's responsible for customer service, was talking about how they're looking at integrating the floods near me app and the fires near me app because it makes sense. Why would you get people to download multiple apps? So that kind of integration and that digital transformation, I think sometimes just it doesn't just happen. And I don't know, I guess, with this, like, was this an unforeseen thing? I guess all governments do plan for shocks, really. Like, what if there was a major incident that, you know, broke the water lines? What would we do? I mean, they prepare for things like, you know, if there was a heat wave and the grid goes down, what do we do? There is, in government, there is planning for this. So my question is, how did we get to this situation where there was no contingency plan that they could pull out of a drawer and kind of put in action? Um, and that just, yeah, I think there's got to be some real questions around that. The thing we've really seen here, and I think that's really important, is um, this was kind of an exercise in community resilience. And that was, you know, as much as you can rely on governments, I really, you know, at the end of the day, it's got to be a joint effort. It's between community and governments and working together. And I think, you know, I would just say this is when you really see, as I said before, that it really benefits to know your neighbours. It really benefits to check on people and talk and make sure that you're supporting each other. Um, you know, as I said, in my building, you know, I wasn't the only person to check in with our elderly neighbours and, um, and that's, you know, really gratifying. But I've, again, I think, you know, I've had before in Lane Cove, we also get severe storms. Um, I've had a friend up the road, I had to go shower at her place when our, um, we had those blackouts a few yes. two years ago and we couldn't get our water system, um, hot water system running then. You know, I think it's important to, we need to hold government accountable because we do need this information, but I think we also need to really build and recognise the benefits of that um, community and the community I know that In The Cove fosters through their website um, to help each other and, 
Yeah. So um, what I I've actually got a little interesting thing to tell you. So the it, this all started on Saturday, the eleventh of September, when I was um, at the Indian Bazaar, um, covering that. Um, as soon as I left there, I knew that this was something I had to just get onto. So I got got to my office, which is home, and um, and just went for it. Didn't leave. I sat down. I don't think I got up for about till. 1am in the morning, but I knew I had to be up again at 5.30 for the Lane Cove Fun Run. Um, and when I got to the um, Lane Cove Fun Run, I had my computer there so I could still do updates as I'm talking to people because that's a very important community event. And the good thing was that all the politicians were there. So, and I've actually got this hilarious photo of me, what I call a politician sandwich, where there's Anthony Roberts on one side, me and Anthony, um, Andrew Zippick on the other side. And I just thought it was funny because saying, well, there's no political bias here. I've got Labor on one side and Liberal on the other. It was hilarious. I must show you. Anyway, I digress. So I'm getting, but I'm also looking at my phone. And our street WhatsApp group went off saying, why is there no water? Why is there no water? And I just immediately said, check in the cove. And they automatically knew what to do. And I have, during COVID, I encourage everybody to set up a street WhatsApp and I encourage that at your street, at your apartment. Um, the good, the benefit of WhatsApp is that you don't have to be involved in any form of social media. Um, I found during COVID that this was a great way because, like, my mum is a WhatsApp theme because all you need is a mobile phone. And one thing I would actually mention is good timing because I believe next week is emergency ready week yeah. where everyone is encouraged to, no. uh, yes, download. There's a Red Cross app that helps you put in plans for, basically it takes you through like what would you do in an emergency and maybe what the more likely ones of your area. So, you know, obviously where it's a very wet summer, so where, but it's things like storms, um, and connecting with your neighbours, having somewhere to go. And I think that this situation has kind of really brings that front of mind of why you would do that. So it's good good timing to be talking about these things and talking about community resilience. And um, I think, um, thank God for In the Cove. <laughs> we would have been in a really dire. No, but I think, you know, the pre also the pressure because what comes from hyperlocal news yeah. is the holding it accountable and pushing them mm. and you know, this not just going under the carpet that it was a glitch that happened on a weekend. Thousands of people were impacted by this mm. and continue to be to what very recently. Do you know what I find really frustrating, and I and everyone's probably heard this, is that I identified that there was a technical issue in their website back in February 2022. And I sent the information to the media team. I sent it everywhere. And not one person bothered to take it seriously. And they even told me that there was a, um, uh, that they'd sent it to their IT department. So I've put through a media request to Sydney Water that I speak to the head of IT. Um, they said to me, oh, no, there's no way you're going to speak to the head of IT. And I said, well, that's my media request. So anyway, by the way, we have put in a, um, a request for Sydney Water to speak to us on our podcast. But unfortunately, they said it's too soon. I think the other thing that I would say about that was um, that was really awful was I think the community felt like we were being a bit gaslit by that website. <laughs> you know, it's like, no, there's no problem. It's like, well, I turn on my tap and it's saying otherwise. So it's just, look, so much of really good government comms is building trust and um, 
you know, and as I said, empathy in these kind of situations. Mm. And look, I think I'm really hoping that there's going to be obviously some kind of review um, and that another community doesn't go through this again (sighs) as well. Absolutely. Not every community has got it in the cove. So uh... Exactly. So it was kind of, um, as I said, it was kind of almost, if you could say, the best area for it to happen with in terms of us being able to have information. I also do wonder with the media how much we had the added sad situation of having the media on a major news story. Yeah, we did. We did. However... There is no way that the media could have picked anything up because the first way that the media picks something up is when there's a media release. Mm. And given that there was not one media release and even all the statements that I was getting for Sydney Water, they're only being issued to me. Yeah. we Actually, sorry, I have to say that that was something also that I found quite strange, that it was not being updated on anything else. And, um, you know, I have to say, again, hats off, Jackie, for the way you were kind of applying best practice, which is was dating every post day and time so everyone knew what was the latest information because, you know, you're at the mercy of the social media algorithm where it will show you what it wants at point. I actually noticed some of the government communications weren't doing that when they did actually get updated. So just it's just tiny things that can just make a real difference in this situation to stop confusion. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for talking to us. You're a star. That's all right. Thank you. What happens in the cove stays in the cove. I'd like to welcome online Rory Burke. Rory, what's your position? I know you work at Anthony Roberts. Just So I'm an electorate officer for Anthony Roberts, who's the the member for Lane Cove and Minister for Planning. So uh, my role really is to support Anthony and everything Lane Cove. That's my job. And Rory, you, you, with, with the Sydney Watergate uh, crisis of the last week, you mm. were getting all the uh, calls and emails and texts and faxes, pigeons, however they were getting through to you. Yeah, yeah. So um, it, it started to come in... Um, Saturday evening was when I when I first became aware of the situation and then um, slowly built up from that well not slowly but really built up from there over Sunday and Monday morning and uh, especially Monday morning we um, we briefed the team here on what had happened over the weekend and it was it's been flat chat since then responding to calls from constituents emails about the whole situation it's it's really been the flavor of the month, but um, we haven't we haven't um, you know experienced before like this this kind of emergency. I think it's unique because the communication was so appalling. Yeah. Um, what do you think? Water outages and electricity outages will happen from time to time, and usually Osgrid and Sydney Water will give us a heads up and let us know prior. Uh, we had none of that this time round. The best way to describe it is that communication was not proactive, which was really surprising. We really have to, you know, go out and search the information, search for the information ourselves. And it was, it was just, I think the breakdown was, was really surprising. Anthony said this 
himself, he hasn't experienced something like this in 30 years of public service and neither have I. And it's, um, it's something that we're really keen to, to have a look into and see how that, that breakdown occurred. Could you feel the frustration of, of Anthony's concerns? Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I completely understand the frustration. I mean, people understand when water and electricity goes out. I understand why people were so, you know, frustrated and then angry was because they weren't given a timeline. That's, that's all that people wanted. They wanted information so that they could make plans they knew what they had to do and that's where the real issue is we weren't or sydney water wasn't giving us the tools to communicate with constituents and help them plan for this so you've been working very hard rory um because i know because um just a bit of background in the cove being a local media organization we must talk to um anthony's rob anthony roberts office every week i'd say rory wouldn't that be the case in the Cove is, it's such a great resource for everyone. And and we know that. And it gets to so many people such a valuable tool for constituents. And, um, you know, we want to help, <laughs> help you communicate with our constituents and we want to use our tool to communicate um, what we need to. I mean, R- R- Rory, there were some horrible things going on when this was going on. People not being able to use their bathroom and their toilets and their showers and things like that. What were some of the most difficult things that you came across? We're always concerned when water electricity goes out, but we were concerned mainly for two reasons. One, the length of time and the demographics of people it were affecting. A lot of the constituents that we serve in Lane Cove North, around Mowbray Road, uh, in bits of Lane Cove West that were affected, they're in apartments and there's a lot of social housing up there and there's a lot of new Australians in there as well, uh, recent migrants. That's where we started to get really concerned because our prior history has shown that it's it's hard for those people to communicate those needs, that, that what they need. So that's where we started getting really concerned and that's when you know we started getting boots on the ground and started door knocking those areas. So we were trying to get to people before they had to come to us. That's what that's what really concerned us was that the people that were being affected weren't the ones that were the ones that, you know, might not know who to reach out to. I um, saw a, um, a picture online of some big heavy water bottles. How did you even find the water bottles and what did you do? Like I wouldn't even know where to get them from. Yeah, so um, we on about I think it was I think it was when was it it was Tuesday night or Monday night we you know we just started running up to Coles in Gladesville and in Macquarie Park and just picking up these ten liter canisters of water to have on standby for anyone that needed it. We were on standby really till about nine p.m. on Tuesday night, and whoever needed them. You know, we, we had people calling us and we'd just drop them around to their place. So um, we dropped some around to Beverly, who um, put that post up, which was very kind of her, and then to some of the, the social housing blocks um, in Lane Cove North, and, and they shared that water around and it was used, you know, um, for drinking, flushing, 
flushing toilets and, you know, whatever they needed it for. But we were concerned that people weren't having drinking, didn't have drinking water. And look, we just weren't satisfied really with, at least on my end, I knew the points, the the water collection points or the tankers that Sydney Water had set up wasn't really going to reach people in the way that it was intended. You know, it was set up in Lane Cove West, just, well, it was initially set up in North Ryde and North Sydney, and it was just far away from the affected areas. Eventually, one in Moore Street and Lane Cove West came online. But again, it's those elderly people and those, um, you know, new Australians that wouldn't have known to go to those spots. So we were just trying to get to them. So, um, so wow, you went up to Coles and you and you had all these um, these huge water bottles, which I couldn't even carry myself. Um, when you went to the to the different places, what was the reaction like? How what how did people greet you? What did they say to you? Yeah, everyone was very grateful. Um, they were obviously still frustrated and angry about the situation, um, you know, not having water and stuff. But they were just grateful that someone was there giving them water. You know, that was nice to see. I know the council mentioned that um, a few people were just a bit rude, but luckily I didn't encounter any of that. The sense that I got was just people were just perplexed as to how this happened. And they were grateful for the water, but they were still really concerned about when the water was coming back on. So we were grateful that, you know, Kevin Anderson Anderson's office, who's the Minister for Water, they really picked up and were communicating really effectively with us. So when we were dropping off the water, we could give, you know, really recent updates as to when people could get could get our water back online. And, you know, they reached out, a lot of people reached out through the, for, you know, through the In the Cove chat, um, just calling the office. At the end of the day, constituents, I found, they don't really have time for the inner workings of government. You know, we're the local member. You know, we represent the government. We are responsible for this. And that's what we were trying to convey as well. It doesn't matter who's giving them water. It doesn't matter who's giving them information, just as long as they're getting it. Mm. Look, I have to say, Rory, I'm exhausted. I can imagine you're just as exhausted. I've never been in a situation where, look, I don't know how many calls I made to Anthony. I don't know how many calls I made to you. We were just tic-tacking. It was just, it was unbelievably, um, oh, it was just full on. I'm exhausted. Yeah, look, I was really exhausted on Tuesday night and then I had to get up early and go to uni and do do an exam. So fingers crossed I did all right in that. Um, But, you know, I think I've got to, you know, I'll wait for the marks and see and then I'll come up with some reasonable excuse in my mind. (laughs) And to your parents. Um, And to my parents as well. The thing that I want to get across is that, um, so Anthony's office is in Bladesville. He's the member for Lane. He's a member for Lane Cove, and the Lane Cove electorate seems bloody huge. But anyway, that's another story. Yeah, but the benefit is that he does employ a lot of locals, and you grew up in Lane Cove West. So immediately, you knew exactly where it all was, didn't you? Yeah. So I, I grew up, grew up. I, you know, I've lived in Lane Cove for, you know, my entire life now. <laughs> so I, I know the community and the area really well. So that is the benefit. And, you know, we've also got Simon Kanderis here in the office as well, who's a local lad. A lot of other local people are really involved. Um, Angus McCaffrey, who's who's left us, 
was a Hunters Hill boy. So that's the benefit as well. We know the the community and the area um, really well. So there's not that that knowledge gap mm. um, that you might find with, you know, other um, other government services. Mm. You know, we're in the community. We know the community. We know what needs to get done. I was also impressed that you were obviously tick-tacking with Carlia Tink's office because um, they put a thing saying thank you to the hardworking team. So you must, you must have been dealing with them, were you? Yeah. So um, they gave us a call early Monday morning. So they, they were obviously getting calls from constituents. And this is what I was saying earlier. Um, it, you know, it doesn't matter if you're federal, state, local, you know, you're a part of the government or you're in government, people can go to you. We were giving them a bit of information, a bit of background, but they were very kind and recognised the work that we were doing and trying to handle the situation. So they just directed a lot of their the concerns to our office and we, you know, we 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 took that on those um, concerns on board and managed to to um, get the information across. Now, obviously, this impacted Lane Cove Council area and North Ride the most, and then it started flowing through to the other areas, and they were all impacted. Um, and the interesting thing is that um, Lane Cove is interesting because when you, if you live in Lane Cove North, you could either be in um, Lane Cove Council area or you can be in. Uh, Willoughby Council area, yeah. and you can be either the member for Lancover, the member for Willoughby. So you were probably tic-tacking with Tim James a lot, were you? Yeah, Anthony and Tim James were um, were were chatting quite frequently during it. But again, it's it's um, there wasn't that um, you know people weren't shirking responsibility. We're part of we're part of one big team here and, you know, it doesn't matter if they're in Willoughby or in Lane Cove, they're without water and that's that's the key point. Mm. Um, so we, we were um, looking after people and door knocking bits of Willoughby, mm. door knocking um, in Lane Cove obviously as well. Mm. We just wanted to make sure that, you know, everyone was getting the, mm. the same service. And you were also talking to Andrew Zibik, the Mayor of Lane Cove, and also I understand the General Manager of Lane Cove Council. Yeah, so uh, we've got a really great working relationship with Council. Uh, Craig and I speak quite regularly, Andrew and I speak regularly. Um, and, you know, that's that's the same thing as well. It's, um, you know, government, <clears throat> like I said, is one big tent. And, um, you know, it, what this demonstrated and what was a really good takeaway is it demonstrated how well we were able to work together throughout this um, across all levels of government. I think that was a really positive thing that came out of this. Mm. But there are amazing lessons to take away. And <laughs> and I understand that, and rightly so, Anthony has called for an inquiry because the level of, of Wow, I just can't even go in. Well, you've seen all my posts about how. but So there's called for an inquiry um, and uh, I, hopefully that's going to go through Sydney Water from top to bottom because this has been just the most amazingly re- incompetent response I've ever seen to any crisis. Yeah, look, so Anthony and Tim have both uh, made it clear publicly and within government that an inquiry is... Uh, is going to be needed here and and they're pushing heavily for it. And, um, you know, I think Anthony spoke to the Premier on Tuesday morning about it as well. Uh, 
it, like you said, it's it's not what constituents expect and it's not what they deserve. And I, I want to preface that by saying that Sydney water um, technicians and engineers mm. were working around the Correct. Now, they got it back online, but they just weren't communicating. Oh, um, yeah. That's, that's the fact. Yeah, and, and that's exactly, and one of the things that I saw in, in the cove, and I just didn't have the time to correct everyone, and, and look, you know what, and I think the, the biggest issue was that people were driving along Epping Road, right? The water was coming out like Niagara Falls, and the traffic was all black, blocked up, and but they only had one traffic controller on there. So if you drove through there, you'd say, well, Sydney Water's doing nothing. And, and you know what? That's a right observation. Um, however, what had happened was that when they had discovered that they just couldn't fix that immediately to get the to get the water supply, they then started rerouting and doing all these things. There were crews all over Lane Cove, you know, the, it, people were people were working hard. But because Sydney Water did not tell anybody how hard they were working, they were putting the Sydney Water crew under pressure, the customer advocates under pressure. They're putting everything under pressure because of one word, communication. What What's interesting as well is we've, we've Anthony's been speaking with the CEO quite a lot. Um, we, we've, well, what's interesting has been the lag in Sydney Water receiving uh, feedback from customers. So Anthony, so Sydney Water has just, um, upped their rebate from $40 to $200, but we're still working with them to try and get them on board with uh, finding ways to compensate renters, which again is the majority of the demographic. And like you said, Jack, there's a difference between end user and customer. So we've got to find a way to get to the end user and we've got to find a way to get small businesses as well, which we're doing. We've got a number now that small businesses can call. Could you tell us about um, that? Yeah. So small businesses, um, the CEO has provided us a number. So they can contact the team leader for business customers, Ian Shah, um, to discuss their situation about uh, and, and to reach appropriate compensation. Because when we were door knocking Lank of North, um, we were talking to small businesses as well, and a lot of them had to go offline for Sunday and Monday. Mm. They couldn't service uh, service their 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 customers mm. because they had no water. Mm. That's you know, there's got to be mainly because of how long it was off for. There's got to be some some appropriate compensation for customers there. Yeah, because the problem is that the some of those customers don't have a direct contractual contractual liability with um, Sydney Water. So how yeah, so what do they do? And, that, and that's people working that out, are they? Yeah, so we're, we're getting that feedback from both yourself and the community and we're passing right. it through to, to Sydney Water and we're working to get, mm. um, you know, renters and small businesses mm. and, and all customers. Because one of the biggest problems is that they put out that, that um, press release on a rebate and but immediately people went, so I have to apply for that rebate because the press release didn't say, one, this will automatically put to the um, customer's account and two, if you've got any further dam- further issues, do this form, which, by the way, the form is appalling. But that's another story. Yeah. Yeah, well, Ross- yeah. so, mm-hmm. again, the feedback and the lag, um, we're still working through. Okay. Thank you so much for talking to us today, Rory.
No, of course. It's been my pleasure. Um, hopefully, we won't have to do another Watergate, but you know, I'm always available for your podcast. In the Cove podcast, available on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. We have online Denise Travell from Chatswood West. How did Sydney, hashtag Sydney Watergate, affect you in Chatswood West? I was impacted. We didn't have water for much of Sunday and a good part of Monday. It seemed to come back online. But, of course, I'm just one person in our community and seeing the concerns of people who didn't have water for up to four days was really quite distressing. And seeing the issues that were being raised by them, particularly people who were perhaps elderly, um, I saw one comment from someone who had an operation due. So that obviously made things more problematic and concerning for them. But thoughts also very much with, as an example, people in our community with young families uh, and just how they coped. Um, I have to say from my point of view also, turning the tap and the shower on and not having anything at all come out was I found particularly unsettling, particularly when you're aware of what's going on in Jackson in the US where their water is now brown coming out of the tap. A few nights before, I watched something on Foreign Correspondent on the ABC and saw that the Colorado River is drying up and the impacts of that on the community. Of course, we also know about rivers, great rivers, such as the Thames River, the Yancey River, and of course, our own Murray River or drying up. I found it very unsettling because I felt like it might be a glimpse into our future and a future that we should all be concerned about and indeed doing something about. Denise, what was your greatest frustration about the whole Watergate, Sydney Watergate incident? The lack of communication. And really that was what I was seeing and hearing from many in the community that the situation is one thing. I think people generally do expect things to break or not work at times, but the frustration to me that I pick up always comes from the lack of communication. And I think that this was, you know, sort of a a textbook example of bad communication to a community when a community is very concerned about essential infrastructure And that essential infrastructure, of course, being water, not coming out of the taps for a good considerable chunk of a period of days. How did you communicate with your neighbours? We have a WhatsApp group with our neighbourhood and that WhatsApp group is, you know, full of information such as does anyone have a drill? Does anyone, you know, my dog is out or there's a dog roaming the neighbourhood. It's really very direct information that's communicated in this WhatsApp group. There's probably about 90 to 100 of us around this local area in the WhatsApp group. And again, it's information such as, does anyone want this old lounge? Uh, My dog's got out. The cat's gone missing. That's how I've certainly used the group. Um, But all of a sudden now seeing information of, you know, the water's off, who's got water. I was communicating information from in the cove that I was seeing because that was the only place that we were getting information through to that WhatsApp group. I literally sat down on a chair and didn't move for a lot of hours and I was so busy updating Facebook that I just didn't have the resources to get anything onto 
the face uh, to the web page and when I went back and looked at my stats on the web page people were just pounding the the web page and I just felt so bad that I couldn't get anything onto there but I couldn't even I just couldn't keep up with the Facebook page so I just did as best as I could. And Jackie that is so appreciated by everyone in the community um, you can see the quite phenomenal response that you attracted just through providing that information that really wasn't coming from anywhere else. So, you know, well done to you. Thank you so much for your efforts. People were concerned um, and they just didn't know what was going on. And, you know, the point that you were constantly raising was people want to plan Um you know, should I be going to the shops and buying bottles of water? I was at the shops early on Sunday morning and noticed that the that the water aisle was already starting to deplete. So people were clearly responding, but also seeing things like, um, you know, should I be going to a relative's outside of this area to have showers and to look after my kids and so on? So people, again, have a fairly, you know, they're, they're understanding of things when they break down, but they just want to be communicated with. And that really wasn't happening. So I kept on emailing Sydney Water Media saying, just give us a worst case scenario. And that way people can plan, but it just, there was absolutely nothing coming. Um, Denise, I think this has been brilliant. Is there, the one last thing I'd like to say to you is, what lessons should we take away from this? That ongoing communication about what's going on to the community. Certainly put that everywhere you can in the Cove. Uh, to me, it was just a great example of a hyper-local publisher that's really serving the needs of the community. The other lesson that I really have taken away is that we clearly need to be talking more about the um, about our infrastructure and our essential infrastructure. So I know right now people are very concerned, you know, the, the direct concerns was water isn't coming out of my tap, how do I... Um, get drinking water, how do I bathe, how do I flush toilets and so on. They were the direct concerns, there's no doubt about it. And that lack of communication was very frustrating. But I think as a community, we now need to be asking questions about the state of our essential infrastructure. Um, I've certainly seen some comments again on In the Cove highlighting the rapid urban development that we've experienced in our area and asking questions around is the infrastructure, which is decades old, is that infrastructure able to meet the needs of that rapid urban development agenda uh, that we've been experiencing in our community? Someone did, I think, again, made the point that I thought was quite good on, your, on one of your posts, Jackie, that you can't put a plaque on a pipe. <laughs> which I thought was really a good comment. Water infrastructure is something really vital to us on a day-to-day -day basis. A sports stadium, not so much, but they're the things that I think sometimes our governments put emphasis on, where it's the things that you, know, you can't see and you maybe don't think about until they break down and then they become everything. They're the things that I think that we as a community should now be having a much deeper conversation about. Look, I think that's an amazing point, Denise, and I think it makes you also realise what we do take for granted. I mean, you know, it's, this water, how, how it all comes into our place, it's just assumed. Um, there's no, you know, you don't, you don't really think about it, you know, gas and electricity and even, you know, internet infrastructure, when that goes down, you definitely hear about things very quickly. But, you know, this is a, 
this is like a fabric of society and if it goes down the massive quick effects that it has uh, can be you know disastrous I think that's such a good point. And you're right, we absolutely take all of that essential and vital infrastructure for granted in a modern affluent society and community such as, you know, we're lucky enough to live in. And that's why I think I found it particularly unsettling when, again, turning taps on, turning showers on, trying to flush toilets, nothing was happening. And again, knowing what's going on or, or, you know, then thinking about what's going on on in our environment and what's going on about the state of our essential infrastructure, again, is a conversation that I think we should all be having, um, partly because we don't want that to happen again. We don't want things like this to be happening on a regular basis. And as a community, our expectations should be that the people who we elect and our leaders in our community should be taking care of these things. And the question to me that we should be asking now is, are these, uh, again, uh, is this infrastructure meeting community need and are our elected representatives taking these issues as seriously as they clearly should be? Thanks for that, Denise. The reason why I was really keen to talk to you is, one, um, your street name, which for, for privacy we're not going to mention, but your street name just kept on coming up over and over and over in the comments as being one of the worst impacted. And two, although technically speaking you are not in the Lang Cove Council area, Chatswood West has always, we've had, I've got so many readers from Chatswood West because you may as well walk across and be in Lang Cove. Um, but I also wanted to show that it just didn't impact Lang Cove because I know that I can be accused of being very Lang Cove-centric, and I am quite proudly so, but I think it's important to talk with other people as well. So thank you for taking the time talking to us today, Denise. Well, thank you, Jackie. That's um, really wonderful to be on. And thank you for everything that you do. Uh, Again, it's been just so um, rewarding and inspiring and quite inspirational to see the response that the community has given to you. And Jackie, people rely on you and have relied on what you do. And never has that been demonstrated more than what we saw in the last five to six days. This is the In The Cove podcast. Welcome, Marianne Bastiani, a Lancaster North local resident. There's the hashtag Sydney Watergate scandal. What happened? What happened to you? What happened? Um, I woke up on Sunday morning and uh, I went to use the washing machine. Actually, I turned on the washing machine. It started beeping at me. The little uh, tap indicated there was no water. So I immediately ran to turn on my taps no water. I'd seen a little post on In the Cove, I think, that something had happened overnight on Epping Road with some water leaks and uh, thought perhaps there was a connection, immediately went on to In the Cove and saw, lo and behold, yes, there was an issue with the water in Lang Cove, but uh, didn't really know what was going on from any other source other than other than uh, In the Cove. And then proceeded to uh, uncover more and more uh, information from in the cove as the day progressed, but I was without water for all of Sunday, Um, managed to get a shower, started texting other people in the suburb, to be honest, as well, and managed to get a shower at a friend's whose water was on at that stage. It seemed to go on and off at various locations, to be honest. Then it came back on, thankfully, I think on Sunday night. By Monday, I had a cold shower in the morning and then I got out to go to work, got into the lift and my neighbour was there holding bottles of water, telling me it had gone 
out again um, and they were stocking up because they had children as well. Um, I'd already used water, bottled water overnight to clean my teeth and do those sorts of things. And yes, it just, I don't know, the situation just kept going on and on. I went to the Sydney Water um, website and, you know, try actually tried to call them as well, I think. Their site said that Lanco was was fine that my address itself that there was no water problem there but but there was and so yes it and so it, it went on and on and um the only information really the only source of information that I had about the progress of of you know the water was Jackie Barker's in the code so I kept going to that reliable source on on Facebook um every couple of hours to check the status updates and check people's comments and you know the whole community was sort of communicating on that platform to find out what the hell was going on that's basically it I remember you texting me and saying in the mid your daughter was in the middle of the shower and the water went off and Yes, that was, was that last night or the night before? I've actually lost track of nights because it keeps every day we hear that it's going to be fixed that night. And so we'd gotten water, I think it was Monday night, and and I might have missed a post that Jackie had put alerting us to the fact that we might lose water again. But yes, Isabella, my 17-year-old, was in the shower and suddenly she yelled out the... Uh, the shower's gone and out she, out she got. In fact, I texted my ex-husband who she was staying with on the weekend. Thankfully, the kids were with him. But I said, have you got water? And he said, oh, that must be the problem. The shower wasn't working this morning. So it sort of became, I think we got word of mouth. So not only hearing it from Jackie, then the community was passing on information to each other through through her as well to keep each other updated. But, yes, no shower there. Um, there were people filling baths with with water um I certainly I was lucky I had some bottled water here and I had some you know some friends who were offering me showers in different places I know there were I think Jackie was making arrangements for gyms and swimming pools and other places to be opened who were kindly offering um their services I was a bit concerned about some of my elderly neighbors and I did message them to check they were okay some of them had not had any issue with the water and were oblivious to it so, yeah, and others had. So, yeah, it really was um, a bit of a mess, to be honest, and, and quite concerning in this day and age, that the, the lack of communication from Sydney Water. Um, I, I've heard nothing from them. I, I know some people have received emails from them. Um, I've, heard, I've heard nothing. And I'm in a complex, a big complex with, you know, about 100 units, I think, in this complex and everyone was out. Um, and, yeah, families scrambling around doing what they could to, to get by, not knowing what was going to happen from one hour to the next. Do you get a bill directly from Sydney Water? Um, I am a tenant here. So, but funnily enough, I my contract actually provides for me to pay the water bills. And so I actually got one, coincidentally, I think it was yesterday, from the um, managing agent with, with the, uh, a water bill for me to pay. And I, I just alerted uh, to your, I sent them a copy, I think, of your post saying that Sydney Water was offering some rebates um, to owners potentially for the for the loss over the last couple of days. But that's a really good point because you got the information, you got a copy of the bill from your managing agent. Yes. So Sydney Water would have absolutely no idea that you were impacted. Correct, correct. And I was actually wondering how, well, how we prove or what, you know, how they're going to work out who gets a rebate and who doesn't and who was without it for X number of hours because I think their rebate refers to different mm. different criteria. Uh, no, I wouldn't. They, and my agent, my agent's in a different area too, so they didn't even know um, 
really they hadn't put two and two together in terms of who was impacted. Because even when I tell people now, not everyone knows where Lane Cove is or whether, you know, a lot of people have seen it on the news, <laughs> but they're not, they're not sure, you know, who's been impacted. And when you said you contacted um, your elderly neighbours, which was lovely, were they actually in the apartment or previous neighbours? Or did, and when you did, was, was there any neighbour that was absolutely in distress? There wasn't, fortunately. It was it was previous neighbours. Um, actually, I got in because I used to be in Timbertops. So I got in touch with neighbours there, and they checked their pressure was down. Then it eventually went, so they were alerted to to the fact. Um, fortunately, none of my elderly friends. And you know, had not had hadn't been impacted, which which was great. But yeah, it, it really varied because I was my uh, one person was on Burns Bay Road at one end, the other person seemed to be up the other end, and not you know, one person would be impacted and another wouldn't. So even in a close geographical area, we had different you know different sites out. So that's how I was able to get a, get a shower. By texting about four people and saying, hey, have any of you got water on one dip? You then texted me, I think, probably Tuesday and said... It was Tuesday, yes. It was Tuesday. And then you said there's another leak and water was absolutely gushing down outside Mowbray Public School. Yeah, yep, it was. So I uh, don't work on Tuesdays and I just went down to get a cup of coffee. I got in the lift, actually, and I might not have told you this, but one of the neighbours said, oh watch out for the water that's running down our street. And I went, oh, okay, here we go. So I walked out, could see it. I'm off Malbray Road in a street that runs off Malbray Road and there was water gushing sort of down our street. It was being captured by the drains, fortunately, but I walked up around the corner onto Malbray Road to get my coffee and I could see probably about three Sydney water trucks there, but the water was just gushing from Malbray, um, the public school, um, just gushing down the road at that point. And so then became apparent that I think we'd heard by that stage that the Epping Road leak had been stopped, but it appeared that it was then popping up on, on Mowbray Road. And then my daughter later in the day said there was a similar um, water leak on Parklands Avenue or land, somewhere around, around that area as well. So there were other leaks popping up. So we thought, oh. Did you see a water tanker outside Mowbray School? Yes, yes. Yep. And so when you're in the middle of the emergency, did you, and you would have seen on In the Cove, I kept on saying tankers are coming. Yes. And I kept on then saying to Sydney Water, well, you're telling me tankers are coming. Do people have to take buckets or do they put in mains? You need to give me this information. Where are they coming? How are they going? I was just getting so annoyed. Did you see a tanker? Would you have known where to get one? No, 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 I wouldn't. I wouldn't have had a clue. In fact, yeah, I think I saw other posts too saying, like, you, what what, what do you do? What does the tanker do? Do we, you know, how does it all work? Yeah. Everyone was sort of, yeah, in the, in the dark, so to speak. Mm. Um, how frustrated were you? Um, I was pretty frustrated. Fortunately, I went out to another suburb on Sunday. That was coincidence. But I was pretty frustrated that morning and also you know the following day with just the lack that the the timeline of it dragging on I mean there were traffic implications as well and and I had to change my route in terms of of traffic the yeah obviously the lack of amenities showering etc there, there were um there were I heard there were restaurants and places that couldn't operate shops and things in Lane Cove um that couldn't work so yeah look frustration was was high and a lot of that could have been alleviated simply by you know better communication we were relying on 
you, um, Jackie, for the information. So we do thank you for that because you must be exhausted after four days of it. And I believe it's over now. I'm, I'm not even entirely yeah. sure because I've been working today. I haven't been looking, but it's over now. <laughs> As, as look, as far as I'm aware, it is. But um, you know, look, the when you, I don't know if you've had a chance to look. I've posted all the videos, but finally, Sydney Water after, because um, I think you, um, I spoke to the CEO of Sydney Water on, I can't remember, but um, a certain AM on one of the mornings, and I went into full Jackie Barker, former legal compliance manager mode, and explained to him just all of the. Uh, what he needed to do and I didn't leave anything off the table I tell you what I gave it to him yeah and um anyway uh I think since then that's when all the communication started so right yeah. I gathered I gathered there'd been a shift once uh yeah. you were involved and some political members were involved yeah no, look and Anthony Roberts was on the same call and, yeah. Anthony, and Anthony was being had, was speaking to him constantly but finally I got a copy of the video and if you see the video Look, it is it is obvious that it was a major, major incident. Yeah. And, um, but then we didn't know that because if you don't tell people, they don't know. No, no. Yep, exactly. And so it had to hit, I don't know, the news and the political arena through by youth in order for Sydney Water to actually do something is what I gather. Right. <laughs> you know, directly communicate. Did you get um, caught up in any of the traffic on Epping Road? I got a heads up about it, obviously, by looking at your page so I avoided the area completely I got caught up the other day trying to get onto Epping Road when I think it was Landers or one of those roads had been blocked off and I had to change my my uh, I had to do a detour um so yeah frustration was there but but in any event um you know we first we have COVID and then we have floods and then we <laughs> we just have one thing after another some um some people were texting me and saying that they'd been in traffic for two hours on Epping Road on Saturday. Oh, wow. And of course there was yeah. um and you know as I'm as I'm sitting there providing all of this information, I'm, I don't know when I went to bed on Sunday night. But it was very late, but all I could say to myself was, when the Monday commute starts, this is when the the proposal is going to hit the fan and other than Jackie Barker and Lane Cove Local News, someone else will pick it up, which, of course, they did because the, yeah. the traffic helicopters were saying, Epping Road's an absolute mess. It's gushes and there's, they're back to the M2 and it's taking two hours and going, yeah. hello, Lane Cove knows. <laughs> Jackie will know. Yeah, I'm lucky as to where I'm geographically situated that I bypass that. I'm ahead of that to get to the yeah. city, so... Mm. But yes, frustration. And then I had people from interstate, of course, from you know Brisbane and other um, people I knew saying, "What's going on down, down there?" That you know, this is this is a major, it's a major thing. The yeah, obviously the lack of amenities, showering, etc. There, there were um, there were I heard there were restaurants and places that couldn't operate, shops and things in Lancove, um it couldn't work so yeah look frustration was was high and a lot of that could have been alleviated simply by you know better communication we were relying on you um Jackie for the information so we do thank you for that because you must be exhausted after four days of it and I believe it's over now I'm, I'm not even entirely yeah. sure because I've been working today I haven't been looking but it's over now <laughs> As, as look, as far as I'm aware, it is. But um, you know, look, the when you, I don't know if you've had a chance to look. I've posted all the videos, but finally, Sydney Water after, um, because I think you, um, I spoke to the CEO of Sydney Water on, I can't remember, but um, a certain AM on one of the mornings, and I went into full Jackie Barker, 
former legal compliance manager mode and explain to him just all of the uh, what he needed to do and I didn't leave anything off the table I tell you what I gave it to him yeah and um anyway uh I think since then that's when all the communication started so right yeah. I gathered I gathered there'd been a shift once uh yeah. you were involved and some political members were involved yeah and, look, and Anthony Roberts was on the same call and yeah. Anthony was being was speaking to him constantly but finally I got a copy of the video and if you see the video Look, it is it is obvious that it was a major, major incident. Yeah. And, um, but then we didn't know that because if you don't tell people, they don't know. No, no. Yep, exactly. And so it had to hit, I don't know, the news and the political arena through by youth in order for Sydney Water to actually do something is what I gather. Right. <laughs> or, you know, directly communicate. Right. Did, did you get um, caught up in any of the traffic on Epping Road? Um, I got a heads up about it, obviously, by looking at your page so I avoided the area completely I got caught up the other day trying to get onto Epping Road when I think it was Landers or one of those roads had been blocked off and I had to go back and change my my uh, I had to do a detour um so yeah frustration was there but but in any event um you know first we have COVID and then we have floods and then we have we just have one thing after another. <laughs> some um, some people were texting me and saying that they'd been in traffic for two hours on Epping Road on Saturday. Oh, wow. And, of course, there was, yeah. um, and, you know, as I'm as I'm sitting there tr- providing all of this information, I'm, I don't know when I went to bed on Sunday night, but it was very late. But all I could say to myself was when the Monday commute starts, this is when the the reverberator yeah. is going to hit the fan and other than Jackie Barker in Lane Cove Local News, someone else will pick it up, which, of course, they did because the, yeah. the traffic helicopters were saying, Epping Road's an absolute mess. It's gushes and there's, they're back to the M2 and it's taking two hours and going, yeah. hello, Lane Cove knows. <laughs> Jackie will know. Yeah, I'm lucky as to where I'm geographically situated that I bypass that. I'm ahead of that to get to the yeah. city, so... Yeah. But yes, frustration. And then I had people from interstate, of course, from you know Brisbane and other um, people I knew saying, "What's going on down, down there?" That, you know, this is this is a major. It's a major thing. Local government in the cove. All right, it's my honour to introduce the Mayor of Lane Cove, Andrew Zibic, to the In the Cove podcast. Andrew, I want to ask you firstly. How did you personally cope before we talk? Before you put your mayoral hat on, how did you personally cope without water? Look, I was fortunate being in a part of Lane Cove that wasn't affected. So, but obviously, it was just the fact that it's the constituents I look after, um, and really just trying to go. Yeah, there's a responsibility for us to act in a time like this. So, trying to figure out, yeah, what we could do to help without knowing how long this issue could be going on for. So originally we thought it might be 12 hours, 24 hours, and then it started to drag out. And, you know, to be honest, it was hard of going, you know, to, to one extent calling a state of emergency to, um, you know, going, yeah, do we bring in portaloos? Do we open up council facilities for showers? We had no end line. So it was kind of like, you know, on one hand, you could have gone to all this effort to try and get stuff together and then find the matters fixed. We were just completely in the dark as to, how long this could be going on for. And so whether we needed to start to try and organise things or was it a thing that would be resolved pretty quickly and it turned out it took a good four days to resolve. 
what what was interesting was of course um I saw you very early on Sunday morning at the Lanco Fun Run with oh my gosh your daughters look so cute but we won't go that's another story and um you know what was interesting was that you looked as frustrated as I was that you had absolutely no information given to you don't you think that's bizarre that the mayor of the Lancaster council area the most impacted area had no information yeah and that's and even yeah this is a frustration that many people think particularly with utilities you know there's there's legislation that essentially utilities can do what they want when they need and yeah the most common you know complaint we often see is yeah utilities doing night works and people asking why did council approve it well utilities don't have to go by council to um, get approval to do roadworks at night to maintain utilities. So at the best of times, we're left in the dark about anything they're doing. You know, most of the time, council finds out that Sydney Water or Osgrid or a utility provider is doing works in the area is when residents are contacting us complaining about night works or their, you know, nature strip being dug up. That's when we find out too. So, but yeah, definitely in this instance here, um, going, yeah, we just had no notification. And I think, yeah, look, I've, I've spoken with, you know, both the state member for Lane Cove and the state member for Willoughby about, and I've spoken to an upper house um, MP in the New South Wales Parliament as well, just in the last few days of saying, yeah, the investigation is needed um, because there's a big issue here of going, look, at some point in time, yeah, there's there's water leaks, which we know most of the time Sydney Water do, you know, um, attend to in a pretty timely manner. Um, but this one, yeah, surely there must have been some point in time where it became evident they were having lots of problems and, uh, you know, do we need to get prepared, um, you know, put in place our resilience plan, for example. So, and, and it was quite interesting too, like, you know, massive credit to In The Cove because that's where I got all my news directly from residents of not only just what, you know, coordination you were doing in talking with Sydney Water, um, but from residents. And, you know, it was Tuesday morning, I spoke with the staff at the front desk of council and they told me no one had called council. And I think most people understand that, yes, yeah, Sydney Water is a state body, but nevertheless, we've got the ability as a local council to try and help in times like this. You know, Jackie, you and I, I think we're talking on the Monday about opening, um, you know, our facilities for showers, but our facilities too were without water as well. So we were equally, we, we found... Yeah, the, the easy stuff we thought we could do, we, we couldn't. So that was frustrating too. You know what, in hindsight, looking back at this, so we're um, at the Lanco Fun Run, which I have to say, Andrew, what an amazing community event, but we'll get to that later. Wasn't it great? Um, and the good thing was that it was from, there were people from all over the Lanco Council area there. It was amazing. Um, and it was so well organised and there were portaloos all the way. There was even Sydney water bubblers. Which, if someone had called, you could have immediately said to the organisers, please leave that inf infrastructure on our land and we will deal yeah. with it. Yeah, correct. And it was just, it's, it's that coordination of just, yeah, us understanding as, as we, you know, typically happens, Sydney Water attends to it pretty quickly and fixes it. Um, just, it, yeah, they, they, I am, I've got a hypothesis that they would have expected this was a bigger issue and hence, um, and, and I heard a rumour, this is hearsay, of them even talking about helicoptering in a bulldozer to fix it. So um, that obviously didn't happen because they couldn't get safety approval. But again, yeah, whether that's true or not. But, yeah, that's that's the stories I was hearing. And again, the fact is I'm hearing this as the mayor, as hearsay, from other people talking about what other people are saying. So, And I think even still to this, um, this moment, I am not aware 
of any official communications from Sydney Water to Council. And, uh, and, and, and council staff too, like when I was speaking with council staff, the, the default that I get from them as well, they say, yeah, we, we try contact the utility and we never get our call responded to either. So as, as a local government organisation, yeah, that's extremely frustrating. And I can see the staff, you know, all the time they do. When I put a request to staff, I know they act on it. But so often with these bigger utilities and, and state um, corporations, yeah, we... We're little fish just like the residents, which is frustrating. I mean, it's quite perturbing to hear that because I kind of would have assumed that you had like the equivalent of the the bat phone to get through to people directly that us mere punters don't. And you're telling me that you, you know, you and your team are also sitting on wait, listening to uh, music on wait is a bit frustrating. And look, I think there there is look, you know, that's that's where we give um, you know credit to our local state members um, office and his team as well because they did and and being and there is a bit of a difference there between yeah state MP being able to escalate faster than say what we could you know effectively we're just a little arm of the state government where you know effectively what is local council it's the state government delegating to the things they don't want to deal with to local government so um, yeah that's it. And, and I can see the frustration in the community that people see we're, we're all a form of government, um, but that delineation, you know, and in a time like this, people don't care about the delineation as to who's responsible for what. They just want a, a result. So, um, look, one thing I can, you know, give great confidence to our residents is that, um, you know, we were in in communication with our state MP and even our federal MP. You know, we we're all talking amongst ourselves about, yeah, what can we do to resolve this? Andrew, you've been there since January twenty twenty two. And in that time, I've I've seen that you've taken really um, quite a lot of steps to speak to council about communication because, you know, I've been doing In the Cove for 10 years and I think a lot of the times my frustration with Land Cove Council was they're doing all these great things but no one ever knew about it. And since that time, you've put in place communication. And I think the problem with this is that Sydney Water should learn something for what you've done because... They might have been doing all these things, but no one knew about it. What do you think about that? Yeah, I agree. And I think that's, again, I think there's been an evolution in our community and society as to what information people expect and in a timeliness, in, in a timely manner. So, um, yeah, the term I've used for council is we've really moved from an era of consultation to collaboration. And that's where I'm seeing as an organisation, we need to evolve more to have more workshops, get people's input earlier. Um, but at the same time, too, you know, like, you know, our Lane Cove Council Facebook page has now, when I last looked, almost 9,000 people following. So it is a way that you can, in a very timely and quick manner, um, get information out to the community. And, uh, yeah, people people look at that. And, um, yeah, I think in, in this instance here, you know, it just, just even the point that we had tankers coming to Lane Cove, but no one, it, it was only because of residents posting pictures so Sydney Water had tankers in the streets and we had no idea and we're hearing secondhand, are they plugging that water into the mains to provide water supply or is it there that people can take a bucket and a container and fill up water? We had no idea. There was no communication about that whatsoever. So um, that's where yeah, an organisation like Sydney Water could have just simply posted, um, hey, water tank's now available in Lane Cove, this is what they're doing. You know? So that's, that's where these tools are available for everyone to use. Um, in a time of emergency. Andrew, what, what lessons can we take from this? What, how can we um, improve along the track? Because all of us have got to improve 
in everything we do to, in this type of situation because, you know, it's the type of thing that remember when the power went off in February 2020 just before COVID hit and we just, um, there was, and that was a, a situation where there was no one could work out if council was responsible for something or Sydney, Electri Sydney Electricity because it had to do with roads and all sort of stuff. So in, in February 2020, when we had a week where people didn't have power, that was very confusing because there was also a lot of um, issues with uh, trees on the road and things like that. And when that happens, it's always very difficult to know, is it a council thing? Is it an Osgrid thing? And that did get very confusing. So people people do get confused about which layer of government. So it was interesting to note that you didn't have any calls. I thought that's fascinating. Yeah, and and it's and I think too, yeah, it's it, it, and that's one thing to keep in mind too, which I think, yeah, great service what we've got within the code. But the thing that I had to go through a period was trying to say to the staff is, hey guys, we've got this issue here, and the staff are saying, well, like no one's contacted council, so it's very much then relying on me to go, hey guys, look, and I was literally showing my phone and going, here's the feedback I'm getting from the community that they go, okay, yeah, this is an issue. And and the minute I showed that, there was no doubt that they're like, all right, we've got to look at what we can do. So, you know, the things what we then found we could immediately do, we contacted St George Housing, who are responsible for the social housing in our area and go, um, you know, are you guys checking in on your tenants? And they said, yes, they were. Um, we then, you know, I gave some locations to uh, the council staff that I said I'm particularly concerned about because I know there are concentrations of, elderly or people with disability. So we actually had some council staff out door knocking to do welfare checks. So, you know, that's that's a thing that we felt, yeah, we could do and enact. And, um, and of course, on the final night, we were finally had a consistent water supply that we could have um, the aquatic centre open for showers. But again, you know, that was still day four um, of us going, hey, it looks like this is dragging out yet another day. Um, and simply, yeah, we that, that was the first day in this whole saga that, we had consistent water supply to that council facility that we were confident that we could open it up. So, um, yeah, that's that's the, you know, it, 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 it is a hard world out there trying to figure out who's responsible. But I think, look, you know, I think one of the core benefits we have as a Lane Cove community is, you know, because we are the third smallest LGA in Sydney, but I think that's a great advantage because it's very easy to get in touch with your local councillors. And, um, yeah, we, we can act quickly and, and we all live within a walk of each other. It's, um, you know, that's the, the, one of the unique things about Lane Cove. Thank you so much, Andrew, for being available. And I have to say, you are always available because you take calls from me at all hours of the day and you're never mad. <laughs> Although I do have to say, when I called you at, oh gosh, it must have been 7am on Sunday and said, um, Andrew, this is a, a catastrophic incident. Um, it's going all through the North Shore. You said to me, well, how do I know? And I said, well, I've, they've updated the, the website, but they aren't telling anybody. Well, I can imagine that Lancove Council staff went, what, what's, what's, what are people on about? We've got no information. You'd think that New Water would have said, alert, councils be on, on you know, alert. Unbelievable. Yeah, but if you call at 7am or before I join, I know it's an emergency. So, yeah, got to take the call. <laughs> what happens in the cove stays in the cove. Jackie, it has been a long podcast. However, I think it was so important to get the different perspectives of everyone involved. And on behalf of everyone in the Cove, thank you for your efforts because you really, you know, didn't leave your uh, office for four, for four days. So uh, it was an amazing event and something that really needs to be highlighted. Um, 
I, th I think the role of media or lack thereof and how in the cove had to sort of fill the void to make things happen are very look, important. Look, it was a massive, massive situation. And look, I can't use names, but I, I had people who were contacting me who'd had um, operations, who had children that, that needed um, that needed attention and they had dirty nappies in the car and, and people who were just out of hospital. And all of these people needed access to a flushing toilet and a shower. And in this day and age, that's pretty amazing. And also the fact that we're in Sydney, one of the most vibrant and, you know, well, vibrant cities in the world. And we had up to 50,000 people on the North Shore who didn't have water for conceivable up to four days. Um, that's pretty impactful. And Rob, I know that you know this because I'm always banging on to you about local news. But I um, have, what I've done is I'm a founding director of the local and independent news association, Lena. And we are a not-for-profit company that is trying to raise the profile of local news and provide resources to all the all the in the coves out there that, that may exist or will exist in the future. What we want to do is ensure that local news is supported and we grow local news. And it's a passion of mine and I just, I really hope we can do it. And we've already got some runs on the board with some new um, local news organisations um, saying that they're about to start. And local news is about being local and providing local information. Oh my gosh, I was on my high horse there, Robert was, Rob, wasn't I? Jackie, your high horse is a horse we should all be riding. If you're enjoying the podcast, make sure you let people know about it. For all the information about what's going on in the Cove, go to inthecove.com.au. And Jackie, when's the News Blast come out? The News Blast has come out for many, many years at 7.30pm on a Wednesday. And you can subscribe to our News Blast by going on to our um, homepage. And there is a, on the right-hand side, there's a sign-up to, to our News Blast. But because I was under so much pressure, it came out Thursday morning and I had people on Wednesday night emailing me saying, where's the, where's the news blast? So it's nice to be missed. Until next time, I'm Rob Caldor. I'm Jackie Barker, founder of In The Cove. Thanks for listening to the In The Cove podcast. This podcast has been produced by localpodcast.com.au. If your organisation needs a podcast, contact Rob 0404 289 956.